on today's message from Harvest Church of God. She looked at me and said, Sonny boy, don't you ever close Granny's Bible. And I know she meant business. That meant my posterior was about to get the Board of Education upon my seat of understanding. But God's still saying, you're going to have a baby. Well, she finally decides, I need to take matters into my own hands and help God out. Mothers, that's a mistake. Though he tarry long, wait for it. Don't ever try to think you can outsmart God. Don't ever think that you know better than God knows how to do his business. Well, I, how would you like for an angel to come and tell you the day and the time and say, you're going to have a child? And she did. Her, her price is far above rubies. And the Bible said her husband praises her in the gates. And her children rise up and call her blessed. And she's industrious. She works with her hands, the Bible said. And she, she uh, is a contributor to things in the house. And she's a, a leader among women in the community. And her, when her husband sits in the, in the gates of the city with the rulers of the city, uh, they, they talk about her and what a, a great, virtuous woman she is and how powerful she is. You've heard that sermon, haven't you? We usually use it at funerals, too, when we bury a good mother. But I'm not going to preach about her. You could preach about Jochebed. Jocka who? Who in the world is Jochebed? Well, one got it right. Moses' mother. She's the one, you know, that had this special child. And God told her, said, uh, keep that child safe from the Pharaoh. He's killing babies. And you got to take care of this child. And what a, a mother. We've preached about it on Mother's Day. Give your children to God. So she made a little ark and she patched it with the slime and the mud from the Nile and, and put the reeds and wove the basket and put the little baby in it and, and put Miriam, the child's sister, out there to watch and see what happened to the baby as they released it into the hands of God. Well, that'd take quite a mother, wouldn't it? To just release your child afloat on the Nile River and I think there are crocodiles not just Egyptians, but to put your child adrift on that river and trust God that that child would be all right. Boy, there's a lot of preaching in there, isn't there? A lot of preaching in there. And how that Pharaoh's daughter came down with the maids and that uh, she drew him up out of the water and said, we will call this child Moses for he is drawn up out of the water. Well, that's a good, good Mother's Day sermon. There's another one uh, uh, about a man named Manoah and a wife named Elkanah who wanted a, a child and the Lord uh, blessed them with a child and that child's name was Samson. You could preach a whole lot about Samson not doing what his mother wanted him to do and not being the person his mother wanted him to be, but uh, in the end he made a comeback, praise God, I preached a sermon about him called The Comeback Kid. Amen. 
the comeback kid. But I'm not going to preach about Samson's mama. I could preach about a woman named Hannah. And Hannah was a, a woman that desired a man-child from the Lord. And uh, the Bible said that she earnestly prayed. And Eli thought that she was drunk. She prayed so earnestly and so feverishly that he put a covering over her mouth, much like you got a mask on today. He put a covering over her mouth so she wouldn't blaspheme thinking she was drunk. And he, she said, no, I'm not drunk. She, he said, well, then why are you praying in this manner? She said, because I, I really feel strongly. I, I want a child from God. I want to be a mother. And the Bible gave her her petition, and she prayed. She said, God, I'll give this child back to you. And the longest day this child lives, it shall be lent unto the Lord. And we have Samuel. But I'm not going to preach about her either. So where in the world are we going with all of this? I believe that there's three things that we need to talk about when we talk about mothers and, and Mother's Day. And the first one is recognizing mothers. Recognizing mothers. Just having a baby doesn't make you a mother. Just because you're the biological mother of a child, that, that doesn't make you automatically a mother. You see, mothers are, are charged with a bigger charge than just giving birth to a child. Then the tough part starts. Then the, all the things that you are and all the things that you ever hope to be are wrapped up in that one title, mother. Mother. There's an attachment there between child and mother that there's nothing else like in the whole world. God even recognized the mother's love and he said, even if a mother should forget her child, he said, I will never forget you. I will never lose my attachment and my love and my concern for you as my children. A mother may do that. It probably won't ever happen. It's next to impossible. But if it should ever happen, I want you to know that I would never do that. Never leave you. Never forsake you. But I would always be with you. Well, as I said earlier about the Proverbs, a husband should thank God for his wife who is a mother. Every husband in this house ought to really thank God that his children have a mother like the mothers represented in this room. In fact, guys, why don't we just give them all a real big hand and say thank you for being a great mother. Thank you for helping me raise our children and making our family what it is and making our home what it is. And thank you so much for the sacrifices that you make because you're a mother, her children rise up to praise her. To have the adoration of your children is a wonderful thing. Do you know how we used to love to be watched? I watched those kids when they were here and parents came down and got their phones out and taped it and some of you taped it back there and you remember when we used to say hey mom come here and watch me do this 
Mom, come over here and watch me ride my bike. I remember the first time Brian got it. I had to put him up beside a wall, and he got on the bike, and I pushed the pedal up where it, where it started off, pushing down on the, on the pedal and hoping he could balance that thing. He made it about two turns before he fell. And the first thing he said when he got up off the ground was, Hey, Mom, come here and watch me ride the bike. <laughs> what is it about us that we want our mother's attention? We want our mother to watch me. Watch me do this. Watch me do that. I walked into the kitchen one day, and there had just been this big spill. And Debbie was teaching Ella Grace something about how to cook. And brother, there was flour on the cabinets, there was flour on the counter, there was flour on the floor, there was stuff spilled everywhere in the kitchen. Papa, come in here and watch us cook. We're cooking. What is it that we want our parents to watch us? We want mama to watch us when we, when we do things. Mama, come out here and look at my playhouse. Mama, come here and look at what, what uh, I got at school today. Hey, Mama, come here and look at this grade card. I got an A. And we always want Mama to look at us. But do you ever look at your mom? She can't ever say, hey, children, come here and look at me. Sometimes mothers feel like they're an inanimate object sometimes you feel like you're a clock don't you because everybody's asked mom what time is it well the clock is right there why do you want me to tell you what time it is a mother is kind of runs a taxi mom i've got ball practice today at three o'clock you remember that don't you yeah yeah Sometimes being a mom, you don't get the recognition and you don't get noticed a whole lot for doing the things that you do. But you should be recognized. And this is that day when we stop and say, thanks, mom, we recognize you. We recognize you. The Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. The Bible says that a husband is to honor his wife, 1 Peter 3 and 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto your wife. In Ephesians 5, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. I believe God's area of accountability for a husband begins at home with his wife, the mother of his children. And children are to honor their mother and they're to see that their mother knows that they care. There's a, a little bit of a, a story, an article by a lady named Nicole Johnson. It goes like this. It all began to make sense. The blank stares, the lack of response, the way one of the kids will walk into the room while I'm on the phone and ask to be taken to the store. And inside I'm thinking, can't you see I'm on the phone? Obviously not. 
No one can see if I'm on the phone or cooking or sweeping the floor or even standing on my head in the corner because no one can see me at all. I'm invisible. Some days I'm only a pair of hands, nothing more. Can you fix this? Can you tie that? Can you open this? Some days I'm not a pair of hands. I'm not even a human being. I'm a clock saying the answer to the question, what time is it? I'm a satellite guide to an answer, a remote. What number is the Disney Channel, Mom? I'm a car to order, right? Mom, can you take me here? Can you take me there? I've got practice. Sometimes the mother doesn't get recognized. She's just there. The resourcefulness of a mother. Certainly, I believe that a praying mother is a powerful thing. I believe that a praying mother can move the hand of God. I believe that a praying mother can put a hedge of protection around her children. I believe that a praying mother can change the destiny of a person's life. I believe that a praying mother can come to the aid and come to the rescue of someone who's in trouble. I believe that a praying mother is a valuable, valuable thing, and every home ought to be blessed with a mother that we call a praying mother. In fact, history is replete with examples of great personalities who have avowed that their success was 100% attributable to a praying mother. From presidents to military generals to sports figures, all of them say, I am what I am because of my mother. Similarly, a Bible-reading mother is also a valuable thing. My grandmother was one of those Bible-reading grandmothers and mother. And bless her heart, when she read the Word of God, she shouted about it. She had that old-time experience with God that the Word of God really did something for her. I remember many times in her kitchen when she'd have the Bible open on her, on her table and she'd be choking off biscuits or something, you know, and putting them in a pan and patting them down. And she'd walk over and she'd look at that, that Bible on that open table and say, Oh, praise God, isn't that wonderful? She'd choke off another biscuit, pat it down. She'd say, Woo, hallelujah. He rides upon the clouds. He rolls out the heavens every morning. Woo, hallelujah. She'd pat that biscuit down. She'd go choke off another one. She'd say, he never sleeps and he never slumbers. Woo, what a God. Hallelujah. Oh, it meant something to her. And I remember the most threatened I ever was by my granny. That's when I went over and closed her Bible. Her Bible was never closed. Don't ever close. She looked at me and said, Sonny boy, don't you ever close Granny's Bible. Just like that. And I know she meant business. That meant my posterior was about to get the Board of Education upon my seat of understanding. <laughs> A Bible reading mother. Yeah, she quotes it. Yeah, she sings those little Bible verses. Yeah, if you ask her a question, she'll answer you with a Bible verse. But those Bible-believing mothers and grandmothers are the backbone of family. They really are. And when a mother has the Word of God in her heart, hidden in her heart, it's that special place, it's that special weapon that she has that works when nothing else will. You know, 
when you start talking about resourcefulness of a mother, there, the book of Genesis has, is a story about two mothers. You know Sarai, who became Sarah, and God gave her a promise. He said, you're going to have a baby. But somehow as the years went by and decades went by, she never had a baby. She's now 90, still hadn't had a baby. But God's still saying, you're going to have a baby. Well, she finally decides, I need to take matters into my own hands and help God out. Mothers, that's a mistake. Though he tarry long, wait for it. So she says to Abraham, now Abraham is the father of all the faithful, but he's dumb as a box of rocks. She says to him, says, I tell you what, we waited on God all these years, but God needs some help. And evidently, I'm going to have to help him alone. So I've got this handmaid here named Hagar, and I'm just going to let her become your wife, surrogate wife, and perhaps she will have the baby. Don't ever try to think you can outsmart God. Don't ever think that you know better than God knows how to do his business. So the Bible said, Abraham said, all right, fine. Dumb, dumb Abe. So what you'd expect, not long she's pregnant. And when she got pregnant, she hated Sarah. The Bible said she was despised in her eyes. Some of these mothers, now you, hell hath no fury. You get these mothers stirred up, brother, and they can cause a stink. So she goes to Abe, dumb Abe, and says, dumb Abe, I don't like the way my maid is treating me. She acts like I'm nothing. She acts like I don't matter. He says, don't bring that stuff to me. That's your problem. You bought it, brought it up. You thought it up. It's your problem. You handle it. Well, Abe's getting a little smarter. Well, she treated Hagar so bad that Hagar ran off, ran away, and she went to a well, and she stopped at a well, pregnant, nothing in her pocket, no food. Buddy, sometimes mothers do dumb things. Sometimes mothers make bad choices. Sometimes mothers do crazy, disastrous things. But the Bible said that the angel of the Lord, the angel knew where she was, and he, he walked up to her and he said, Whence cometh thou, and where art thou going? In other words, he was asking her, What are you doing here? She said, I am fleeing from the face of my mistress because she's treating me bad, and I don't like it, and I fell for a scheme, and now I'm a victim. Sometimes mothers feel like the victim. The one to blame. 
And the angel gave her some news that most of you wouldn't like. Some of you that are watching online, you're not going to like what the angel told her to do. He said, return to Sarai and submit yourself to her. Sometimes mothers have to do the difficult thing. Sometimes mothers, for the good of the whole and the big picture, have to go through some difficulty. But God said, but I've got a promise for you. You're going to be, your child said, call him Ishmael. And said there's going to be so many of his offspring as far as the heavens and our stars and as the beach is sandy, there will be his offspring. What that was saying to her was that God was going to honor the promise. Honor the promise. But going back to, to Sarah, when Sarah, when she came back, then Sarah then was out by the tent one day, and here came three angels, and the angels said, well, hey there, mother. She said, why do you insult me by calling me a mother? You're cracking a funny. It's no joke, but I'm laughing about it. And they said, well, that'd be a good name for the child. We'll just call the child Isaac because his name means laughter. Because you laughed at the promise of God. Said, about this time next year, you're going to have a child. She said, I'm 90 years old. I'm way past childbearing. That's an impossibility. Said, and that angel said, well, you just trust God and believe God, and it's going to happen. What happened a year from then? Had a baby. Wow. See, you know when yours is going to be born. He said, Tuesday morning, we're going to have a baby. Well, I, how would you like for an angel to come and tell you the day and the time and say, you're going to have a child? And she did. Responsibility. Recognition, resourcefulness, responsibility. And that'll be my last one about them. I could preach a long time about women, couldn't I? Yeah. Responsibility. What is a woman's, a mother's greatest responsibility? Well, certainly devotion. Certainly nurture and admonition. Structure and love and support. Yeah, we know all that. But also those spiritual things that a child needs also. Those, that example of what that scripture says and what is all contained in this Christian nuance and this notion of believing the Christian faith. A responsible mother. There is a, a mother that I want to close with. And if you were judging character you would give her a very low score. If you were talking about people who are nice people, you wouldn't really mention her name. If you were talking about people that were really, really for good and right, this woman wouldn't be one of them. In fact, the Bible tells us she was a concubine. You know what a concubine is? 
A concubine is a mistress. She was Saul's mistress. She was his favorite mistress. In fact, she had two sons by King Saul. That means she bore two princes, two offspring of Saul. Right up there with Jonathan, huh? Because Jonathan was a son of Saul, friend of David. Her sons were killed in a battle against the Philistines. And her sons were delivered to the Gibeonites. And David prevailed in the battle against the Philistines and slew the Philistines and, and killed the Philistines. But because his two sons, Saul's two sons, were part of the conspiracy to get David off the throne... David took them and hung them, their carcasses, on suspended apparatus by the roadside and left them hanging there in shame and disgrace and ignominy. Everyone who walked by saw those dead bones and those sons' remains hanging there. But the Bible said that Rizpah, set up a vigil. And the Bible said she took sackcloth and she spread it all around on the ground. The Bible said that she fought off the vultures by night or by day. And by night she built a fire and she chased away the jackals and the wild scavengers. And she stayed there on that rock. The Bible said it was a rock. And she put that blanket on that rock and said, I will shoo away the vultures and I'll chase away the scavengers until they take my sons down and put them where they belong. And the Bible said, and David heard about it. And David sent men over and they came to the place and they took them down off of their suspended state. And he carried them to the tomb of Saul and he buried them there. Do you know what Hagar named the place, the brook, the spring? She named it the God Who Sees Me Spring. Mothers, I want you to know that there's one resource that you have and one responsibility that you have that is greater than all of the others is that, is that you know where the place is, the God who sees me spring, the God who is alive and sees me spring. Everybody needs one of those springs in their life, don't they? One of those springs. A spring where you know that's where God sees me. Rudyard Kipling wrote a poem. And it went something like this. If I were hanged on the highest hill, 
I know whose love would follow me still. Mother of mine, mother of mine. If I were drowned in the deepest sea, I know whose tears would come down to me. Mother of mine, mother of mine. If I were damned by body and soul, I know whose prayers would make me whole. Mother of mine, mother of mine. Long after some fathers have disowned their children, a mother will still be there. Mother of mine, mother of mine. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth to thee. There's a poem. It was written by a lady that is famous that I didn't know she was famous. <laughs> a lot of people are famous that I don't know they're famous. This lady lived in a little place in Tennessee called Bell Buckle. Have you ever heard of Bell Buckle, Tennessee? One, two, three. Randy knows where Bell Buckle is. Their claim to fame is they have many creative people that live in their, their city. They're not far from Nashville. And there is a lady who lives in Bell Buckle who is the poet laureate of the state of Tennessee. Her name is Margaret Britton Vaughn. Uh, come on, Debbie. Come on. Last night we were watching Pickers. You ever watch Pickers? Some of you do. They were in Bell Buckle, Tennessee last night buying stuff from this lady. And uh, she's written uh, a book. It's called The Light in the Kitchen. It's a very famous book. You can't buy one. The collectors will not turn them loose. Last one I saw was $930 on Amazon. She said that when she was in high school, a... Uh, English teacher told her, you'll never be a great writer because you can't spell. You're such a poor speller, you'll never make it as a writer. And she quipped, I'd love to send him a copy of my 20 bestsellers from the New York Times <laughs> and let him know I, I never learned how to spell, but I sure made it as a writer. She wrote a poem about her mother. Debbie was sitting there and she said, I wish I had that to read to people tomorrow Mother's Day and I said well I'll just get that for you and I looked and finally this morning at the last minute I found it here you go sweetie mother of mine mother of mine <laughs> crazy he's crazy he's sweet too though he found this and typed it out and I I thought it was so nice it's the one poem I don't know if you mentioned that's caused this book to be the bestseller. It's because they loved this. The title of it is That You, Mama. Is that you, Mama, who just put your hand to my brow when I could not work things out? Was that you who showed me how? 
Was that you, Mama, who just turned on the porch light? You always turned it on to keep me safe at night. Mama, was that you by the stove cooking beans and cornbread? Was that you during the night standing right beside my bed? Was that you, Mama, who shooed the bumblebee away? And you who called me into supper when I came in from play? I know I felt you kiss my knee when I bumped it on the chair. And Mama, when I knelt to pray, was that you listening there? Was that you, Mama? Was that you that God let come home to me and maybe you never left? I was just too blind to see. Or was it when I felt so bad the day I knew you knew I needed you and God let you visit for just a day or two? Well, Mama, I'm okay now. You tell the Lord I said hi. Was that you, Mama, that just kissed me by? I thought that was beautiful because it's all the little things that a mom sees. I hope you all have a wonderful Mother's Day. Amen. So if you get a chance, you're rummaging through stuff and you pick up a book and it says the light in the kitchen window, it's a winner. Buy it. $930 for the book. And I found it. <laughs> Stand with me. I hope you have the greatest Mother's Day ever, ladies. And I hope that all your dreams come true and I hope that all your wishes you realize and I hope that all your prayers are answered. And I hope that you have a great day this day and days following because you always need to know that in the sight of God, you're very special, very special. Thank you, God, for all you do for us at Harvest. Thank you for giving us such wonderful mothers here. And thank you for mothers that have mothered me for so many years and have been a mother to me. I thank you for every one of them, and I hope they know that I love them very dearly. Go with us now the rest of this day as we eat with our families and celebrate with our mothers. And we pray that you'd keep us safe from harm and danger and return us back to your house again to praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.